podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jay Harris scrambles it away. Norwood needs to hold this one up. Hasn't managed to do it. And Aurier scores from long range. 25-yarder from Serge Aurier out of nowhere gives Tottenham the lead. Lucas Moore is a lovely touch by Aurier. Son's in behind here. Cuts it back and Llorente makes it too. Clinical from Tottenham, ruthless from Tottenham, and surely now on their way into round four. Oh, lovely turn from Son. Aurier, is he going to get another one? Yes, he is. They can't keep it out, and Spurs go three up. Jungmin Son against the slightly tired Tranmere now. He wants one as well to continue his run. He's got one too. Non-existent dissolving defence there from Tranmere and Jung Min Son said thank you very much. Llorente in behind, Blackstay down, he scored a second, beautifully taken by Llorente. He's had a very good game here tonight, two goals and Tottenham stroll into a five-goal lead. This is getting mighty tough for Rochdale and Llorente's got a hat-trick now. Six, how many is this going to be? At the end of the night, it is raining goals here at Prenton Park. It's Deli Alley. Tottenham doing everything they want. Kane might get one here. He has to. What a brilliant finish, really. He just let that run across his body, flicked it with his right foot, and then celebrates with the fans. And Tottenham Hotspur here are just running riot. Hello guys and welcome back to another earlier edition this week of The Last Word on Spurs. We'll be looking back at Spurs thumping Tranmere 7-0 in the FA Cup. And looking ahead to Tottenham Hotspur taking on Chelsea in the semi-final first leg of the Carabao Cup. A busy show in store. Help me do that, I've got Jason McGovern alongside me. Jace, how are you? Not too bad, mate. Magic of the Cup week, isn't it? Magic of the Cup week, yeah. a lot of, lot Magic of the Cup, cup week. And we've That's just it. had the fairy tale in Newport, so uh, a very good day today. <laughs> I bet you're smiling about that one, Jace. Oh, I loved it. Loved okay. it. There you go. Well, helping us dissect the game, we've got two of our founding members back on the show. First up, we've got John Manning's returning. John, how are you? I'm all good, mate. Still in seventh heaven. <laughs> very day. good. There you go, John's one-liners are coming already from John Manning's there, got to love him. <laughs> Joining John and Jason tonight, delighted to also have back on the show, Ian Gunn. Ian, how are you? I'm very well. Just pleased that uh, on Friday night I didn't have to take the ferry across the Mersey. I got the tube. Hey, <laughs> well, we're, we're in. We're in for it tonight, aren't we? We God, are in dear. for it tonight. Ian, I'm going to start with you because you was one of the guys there representing the last word on Spurs at the game. So Spurs progressing through to the third round of the FA Cup in emphatic fashion, a thrashing of League Two side Tranmere by seven goals to nil at Prenton Park. Ian, what did you make of it? It was interesting. The first half, there weren't much in it. You know, I think that um, the pitch was quite bobbly, which sort of, you know, we, we, we struggled to get hold of at the first half. Um, and then we get the we get the, the, the old Serge's goal and then we go in at half-time, you know, only 1-0 up. And then in the second half, I think I think that the, the goal just after the second half from Lorente actually takes the steam out of... Um, out of Tranmere, and then after that, it was a it was a bit of a bit of a stroll. But um, all in all, you know, a, a, a nice, nice, well-run club made us feel really welcome. And um, yeah, very, very pleasant Friday evening's uh, entertainment. All in all, it was indeed seven goals there. And Jace, come round to you. The game saw us going to secure our biggest margin of victory since two thousand and nine. Fernando Lorente hitting a hat-trick, Orion netting again, and Hummin Son and substitute Harry Kane also getting in on the act. A perfect night for Spurs in the FA Cup and for Pochettino and the players, Jace. Yeah, delighted for, for Lorente, who's, um, who's now got that fantastic record, scored in his last Premier League start, scored in his last Carabao Cup start, scored in his last Champions League start, Blimey. and scored a hat-trick in his last FA Cup start. But apparently he's not good enough for us. Oh, that's it. You're making him sound so, untroppable uh, there, Jace. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. We all we all know the level, but 
you know, for the for the amount of game time he's getting, isn't isn't that what you want? The bloke's come on and score goals, and when he starts, he scores. So, mm. you know, it's I think that's nine goals in his last nine starts for us. So, that's bad, isn't it? Yeah, you know, that's, that's not exactly that bad, is it? And and you chuck in chuck in the impact he had against PSV and the impact he had against Burnley, and you know, I think we can. I think you know we even saw on Friday night that that whoever is the second striker is is very much going to have to play fiddle forever behind Harry Kane. So, you know, I, I felt sorry for him when you've got hat trick and you still get hooked off after what is it sixty five <laughs> minutes? You think you know couldn't we have taken Delhi off for instance for Kane if we were going to bring Kane on and just just give Lorente his ninety minutes? But um, so going forward, what I mean is it just shows you how hard it will be for whoever you sign that second striker role to just get genuine game time but uh no delighted for him the whole team you know as Ian said it was tough that first first 40 minutes until Warriors goal did, I, I don't know if Ian noticed did, did you notice on the night it did take the deflection off the Tranmere boy because I yeah. think when we all saw it going at first you thought wow what a screamer but you did see it nick off the nick off the fella which put that extra bit of spin on the ball yeah, well, even though I was wearing glasses, I had to rely on my son who's got twenty twenty vision to tell me it took a deflection <laughs> off the def- off the big lump at the back, the number six, and we I all like- swore, we all swore blind that it didn't. And then when we see it, when we see it the replay, we 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 all had to eat a little bit of humble pie yeah. and say you were right, Jamie, and we were all wrong. So uh, good on him. But I, I like the fact that he's he put his arm in the air to celebrate the goal way before it even reached the back of the net. Well, which was, uh, well I, I don't know whether he was celebrating a goal or or, or, or trying to con- convince the, the 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 referee that if it, that when it went out it was a corner. So I don't <laughs> could be. Which, which just it could be. be. <laughs> the case of surge. Let's bring John in. So John, you know Spurs in the FA Cup last season, we made hard work, didn't we, with the likes of the Newport County and the Rochdale ties. But I mean, this Spurs side up, we saw no issue like that on Friday night. A big, big convincing win, and you know, trusting in you for a lot of players given their chances here, John. Yeah, I think it was. It's uh, we, well, we're definitely glad that um, we're not going to have to suffer another replay against uh, a League Two side because we had enough of that last year, as you said. So it was nice to obviously it was nice to get the job done, and you think at half time one nil. Obviously, then the next goal was crucial, and then you, you see within fifteen minutes of the second half starting was it? We I think we were four nil up. So then you, then you can sort of start to relax. So yeah, definitely uh, definitely didn't need another replay. So glad to get the job done on the night, and you know seven nil don't get much more convincing than that, really, does it? That's true. And John, a question from Dave Ellis. He says Mora does a job, but he's no Sonny. We're seriously going to miss him. He says, "Where's Lamella at the moment?" Like John said, actually, before we were recording, Lamella's actually ill at the moment. There's a chance he may be back for Chelsea. And his final part, John, he says, "Can we do the quadruple?" <laughs> <laughs> we don't get carried away on this show, do we? <laughs> one at a time, Dave. We'll, we'll, we'll tick them off as we go. One, two, yeah. three, four. But I'll, as as Lee's not with us tonight, I'll just say, absolutely, of course we can. We're going to win the quadruple. Totally, it's Lee, totally. Totally, yeah. There you go, there you go. Um, coming back round to you, Ian. So, Mauricio Pochettino Spurs have now won 6-2 at Everton, 3-0 at Cardiff and 7-0 against Tradmitt in just the last 13 days. I mean, it's good to see, Ian, that the goals are coming free-flowing at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, um, you know, we, we've, we've all spoken on the pod about our, our lack of our, our lack of um, consistency in front of the goal. And, you know, and but, um, you know, we, we, we've been really efficient um, in, in the last uh, few, few away games like you said 22 goals is you know I'm, I'm we're, you know the, the away support are getting value for them for, for money you know at, at, at the moment so um, yeah I, I don't know what he's doing but um, long may it continue and they've been some really really good sort of performances you know that, that first 20 odd minutes against you know 20 25 minutes against Cardiff mm. we were we, 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 we were we were Clinically efficient, and and then you know in front of goal, you know on, on Friday night we, we we carried that 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 efficiency through into that game as well. So um, yeah, let, let, let's hope we can carry that through to the next game on Tuesday. Yeah, like you say, 22 goals in our last five games in all competitions, averaging a goal every 22 and a half minutes. Tranmere Rovers' heaviest defeat in the FA Cup have now come both against Spurs with a 9-1 loss in 1953. 
and then this weekend. And Jace, coming round to you, we saw Maurizio Pochettino make plenty of changes to face Tranmere in the FA Cup fur round before the game. He gave Oliver Skip his FA Cup debut. There were starts for Carl Walker-Peters and Wan Foyth, who came into the team with Aurea starting and Kane on the bench. Was that roughly the team you expected, Jace? Because I think before the game, many were surprised at just how strong Poch opted to go. Yeah, um, well, I, it, it, there wasn't that many surprises in it for me. It was, um, you know, I, I think the only conundrum one or two of us thought was was we we all kind of thought Skip were playing midfield, but we we thought he'd be with Winks or Sissoko, and and that we you know we'd keep to four two three one. But going back to the the back three and playing the two wing backs or whatever just just enabled Delhi to drop a bit deeper. I don't think. Delhi reveled in the, that role deep in that first half either. I, I still like to see him play that little bit further forward. But, um, you know, it was a question of, of protecting one or two and resting a few. The good thing was that he still had those on the bench that if it had gone gone horrendously wrong, like, like Newport threatened to do last year, that, you know, there would have been some answers on the bench. So... You know, I, I didn't have a problem with the, the starting lineup. That's for sure. John, it was entirely understandable that Pochettino made the eight changes, and therefore, you know, I don't think many can complain based on that result. Do you think his decision to play with wingbacks helped Aurea to be an attacking force? Yeah, absolutely. I always think that I've, I've said this on on the podcast before. I think for me, um, Trippier and Davies are fullbacks, whereas Aurea and Rose are wingbacks, and mm. I think it does play to Aurea's strength. If you think, if you consider the fact that Juan Foyth pretty much spent the entire game playing at right back because Aurea was playing as a winger, <laughs> it, it just gives. It gives yeah. I mean, obviously Aurea didn't have much to do defensively, which you'd probably expect from you know playing a League Two team, but it does allow him to. Well, as you saw, he got forward and he ended up with two. And it was a, a a chance for him on his left foot from outside the box to get a hat trick, and it ended up probably with Ian in in the crowd somewhere. <laughs> so it was it, it definitely played to his strengths. But I mean, if you consider we've got through seven <clears> nil, <throat> obviously is about as emphatic as it gets. And if you if you consider the the starting eleven on Tuesday is probably going to be Larice Trippier, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Rose. None of them played. Yeah. Then Sissoko and Winks. Uh, in midfield, they didn't play. I think the only player who's likely to play on Tuesday that played 90 minutes against Tranmere is Delhi. Mm. If you go Ericsson, Son, uh, Delhi, and Kane as well in, in front of those players I've already mentioned, then you think hopefully that means that the players are, are well, the, the important players, if you like, without being disrespectful to the rest, have had more or less a week off for the first time in it feels like years. It feels like we've had like a game every two or three days for absolutely ages. So, um, I can only imagine what it feels like for the players. So from that point of view, I think, you know, it's, it's job done. We're in the hat for the next round and everyone's, fingers crossed, is fresh and ready to go for Tuesday because that's obviously a massive, massive game. It is. And John, just back on the point you mentioned there about the ball ballooning to Rosette, a question from Yusuf at Dembele who says, did any of you laugh your tits off when Sissoko laughed at Sissoko ballooning the ball into Rosette? <laughs> I did find it funny. also found it funny as well with the post-match interviews when um, when. Delhi told us what he thought as the ball fell to Sergio yeah. Rio, like don't shoot and then it, obviously it ends up top corner so yeah look we didn't buy Aurier as a goal scorer obviously but it's a nice little bonus if your if wing backs can chip in and obviously he did mm, I'm going to come around to Ian just in a second but I want to go back to Jace for a second only because Jace we've spoken in the past about bringing Kane on in needless situations and I suppose the question I want to ask you is that was it really necessary at 6-0 to introduce Kane because we heard Pochettino's comments after the game which I'm going to read out but what did you make of bringing Kane on that is that moment in time was you for or against that well that's that very moment it happened absolutely I had no idea why why he was coming off the bench uh, as you say we've, we've all heard Pochettino's explanation since we love we love the romance of it. We love the the sentiment behind it. Um, and at the end of the day, it, it all worked out well. We got his goal and, and things like that. But um, you know, I, I, we might have had an entirely different view had had something else happened. That's for sure. But uh, you know, all's well that ends well in the end, I suppose. Mm. But no, I, I probably and I had my as I said, I think quite possibly in fairness, had he had he been bringing him on, he could have. I still think he could let, let Fernando Lorente get 90 minutes in, and, and he could brought Kane on and played him as the 10 instead of, of leaving Delhi out there for 90 minutes. That was that was the other thing that you could have done. But, um, you know, it is what it is, mate. 
Yeah, I'm going to get Ian's thoughts on it, but let me just read Pochettino's comments after the game. When he was asked about the fact that he brought Kane on at 6-0, he says, It was respect. Respect the people, respect the opponent. They're not going to have many chances to see Harry Kane play here in a competition like the FA Cup. I think it was a great atmosphere. For different reasons, I decided to make a change and put Kane on the pitch. But one of them is that it's important to show respect to the people here so they could see Harry Kane, who is an icon in English football. It's difficult in this division to see it. It was important to see him in action. Ian, as someone there that was in the crowd, was you happy to see Harry Kane or was you slightly concerned seeing Kane on the back of what's going to be, I think, one of our biggest games of the season with Chelsea coming on Tuesday? Well, it's quite funny because, you know, there was, I don't know if you caught it, there was a an incident at the start of the second half where I think Mora took a heavy touch and then, you know, was, was sort of half bundled over by the keeper. And, and, you know, there was a big call for a penalty and the, the, the keeper, bless him, entered into a little bit of banter with us, with the fans behind the goal. Me, me and me being one of them. And then, of course, when he's, when he's six nil down, we, all, the, all the fans around me were thinking, oh, bloody hell, hasn't that poor old keeper suffered enough? <laughs> and then, lo, lo, lo and behold, within, within about, what is it, five odd minutes of coming on, he'd he, he, he lifted one over the keeper to make it seven. At the time, at the time, you, 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 you know, I think we all doubted it, and, and we all said, "What, you know, what is he doing?" And then, of course, you know, we we, we were chatting, you know, before the end of the ground, and um, we all said, "Well, maybe he's bringing him on, you know, just just so that the, that the locals who, who who turned up in their droves, by the way, you know, the the, the, the Tranmere fans, you know, could could have that opportunity to see." You know, like Delhi, the the Delhi alleys and and the Harry Kane's on the pit. So, mm. you know, and then you listen, and then you listen to what he's got, what Potter's got to say at, at the end, and you think, okay, it it was a gamble. You know, if he'd have gone over on that ankle, well, on that yeah. on, on that on that bobbly pitch, and then he'd have been out for the, the Chelsea and the Manchester United games, arguably our, you know, two two big games of the season. You know, that there would have been absolute. You know, it would have been pandemonium on social media, and and it, but you know, at the end of the day, he took a gamble. He's our manager, and 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 you know, I don't know if you noticed, Darry Kane was was signing autographs. Oh yeah, when he was they all up. wasn't they? So, Delhi was, Pochettino was after the game. Yeah, so I think that it, it worked out all right. I understand that what what you know, take, taking on what you know, Pochettino said on face value, and the fact that he wanted to give him twenty minutes to keep him, you know, keep him, you know, sharp, you know, so. You know, let let let's let's go with what the manager has to say. But you know, we, we would if we could get back to him and say, you know, please please, <laughs> please don't gamble with Harry Kane. You know, in in, in future, but because you know, we, we, without him, you know, and and what he brings to the team, not just his goals, but his passing and and and, and the way that he that he leads the team on the pitch, then. Um, we really can't afford to be without him in in the next few weeks. Mm. Well, Jason, we know stats about Lorente before the game. I think Jace might convince me later, Rod, but we're going to get round to Lorente shortly. Let's discuss Ori then. So it took Spurs 40 minutes to get their breakthrough. It needed deflection as Serge Aurier's 25-yard effort took a nick off Emmanuel Month and veered into the top corner. An impressive return from injury from Aurier. He also made a, a usual block at 2-0. He also scored to make it three. I mean... What are we seeing, Jason Moria here? Could he? It's difficult. He's only a League Two, League Two opponent. Do you think he's still good enough to, you know, recognise himself as Spurs' first choice right back? Well, I think, uh, as you say, it's, it's difficult to tell. It's his first one back. Um, you, you, you're not expecting him to score goals. I thought the block was a really valuable block because, you know, having gone two 0 up, you think right, it should be comfortable from here. The last thing we'd have wanted to do was give them a, a lifeline back into the game. So. You know, in many ways, that was as valuable as, as either of the two goals he got. But, you know, I think we know that Kieran Trippier's form has been way below the, the level we'd have uh, hoped for or expected. So I think when Aurier is genuinely fit, he probably is our, our first choice right back. I still think going forward, you know, I'd like to see Carl Walker-Peters get more and more chances as the season goes on. And it's still something that I'd like to, to address in the summer. But um, certainly... You would think of the two senior pros in that position, he probably is the first choice. But it, I, I, I still think it will probably be interesting to see this week, wouldn't it? Because mm. you know he usually rotates, and you've now got a massive game with Chelsea, followed immediately by a massive game with United. Albeit 
that one's Tuesday, one's Sunday, so there is time between. But it'll be interesting to see if Trippier gets them both or he does genuinely give give one game to one of them or one game to the other. Yeah, we'll be interested to see what he does. John, I'm going to come round to you because as I mentioned there, in respect to Voria, you know, he was heavily involved in the second goal with a neat touch to Sonny before arriving on the overlap to score the third. John, in your mind at the moment, where do you see Sergio Voria? Is he for you when fit your first choice right back or is it again dependent on the opposition for you in terms of him and Trippier and even Walker Peters? What do you say on that? <clears throat> yeah, I think it's very much uh, horses for courses really. I think the opposition it probably dictates who plays to an extent when everyone's fit. But I would say that if you if you look back since Aurier's been, I think the there's been a pretty much equal share between Aurier and Trippier when it comes to the, the biggest games. So, you know, as Jay said, all right, we've got five days in between um, Tuesday and Sunday, but it's going to be interesting to see who he plays. Obviously, I don't think, I honestly don't think Aurier is going to start on Tuesday purely because it's his first one back. He played. He played 90 minutes, didn't he? So you imagine he's. Uh, I know that I know it's Friday to Tuesday, but it's still relatively quick turnaround, I suppose, if you haven't played for a while. So I'd expect to see Trippier on Tuesday, but then for the game against Man United, it's anyone's guess, really. But like I said before, for me, it depends on the system. I think if you're playing a flat back four, then Trippier probably just about gets my vote. But if if you're playing three central defenders, and then Aurier is definitely um, better as an, an attacking threat, in my opinion. Although. You know, as, as we've seen, or maybe not this season, as Jason said, Trippier is still suffering a little bit of World Cup hangover, in my opinion. But Trippier is, you know, he's the assist king from right back. So, mm. it's, it's, I mean, the good, the, the best thing about it is, Rick, that we're even having this conversation because yeah, it's, it, it, it proves that, that, you know, there's quality and there's depth in, in the majority of positions in our squad, which is, you know, if you, if you was to believe most of the mainstream media and all the nonsense that was getting spouted over the summer and even still up to this point to be honest by certain media outlets they'd have you believe that you know the squad's paper thin and we haven't got enough quality to do anything so to I'm, I'm just you know glad that we're having this conversation to be honest and it'd be interesting to see who does play I just hope whoever whoever does play they have, they have a couple of good games and we end up with, with uh, two wins to talk about by this time next week it might genuinely be a, a tactical thing because I get the feeling Chelsea being two-legged and particularly with what happened a few weeks ago you know, they they may well think, do you know what, just just be a little bit cautious in the away leg and, and bring them back to Stanford Bridge and we don't want to go too gung ho and look how they, they ran ran us ragged at Wembley a couple of weeks ago. Whereas you think Man United will come and I actually think Man United, unlike a Mourinho side, will come at us and Martial will probably play with his pace up against Oreo may be a, a bigger trick. And I think, you know, perhaps it, it may well be that we'll play a hell of a lot more of a game against Chelsea in their half. Than, than perhaps a Man United game. So it'll be interesting to see which way round he, he, he predicts it to go. Now, Jason, they don't like to talk about transfers, but we've got a question from... Okay. Oh, Aaron says here, are we really trying to sell Ori a question mark, or is it just another rumour resulting from the PSG swap rumour of Toby from Mounier? Okay, well, I, I certainly don't think we're looking to sell Ori this month, that's for sure. So, um, <laughs> you know, if, if it was going to happen, it would happen in the summer. But, you know, probably like most stories, mate, it's completely fabricated bollocks from some agent that's <laughs> bored stiff and just trying to engineer a move for somebody and, and link in five other players within the move. So, no, I'd, I'd be astonished if we sold Aurea this month. OK, let's talk about a player that's been heavily so far linked with a move away from Spurs in the transfer market of January. And that takes us nicely to Fernando Loriente. And Ian, I want to bring you in because... He was a real handful in the first half and the veteran really came to life after the break, scoring a 24-minute hat-trick. It would still, I don't think, Ian, be a massive surprise if he was going to end up to be sold this month. But if that was his final game, I mean, he certainly hit all the right notes, didn't he? A really good performance from Lorente. Yeah, and it, and it was good the way that he, he linked up with the um, the rest of the, 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 the team. You know, he, his first goal was a, was a, was a really clinical finish and then I think the ball through for um from from skip for the second was was quality mm, and then the, that 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 and, and then that deft little flick from um through for his accurate goal and you just think to yourself you know it's a shame because I, I you know going back to what Jason said earlier on you know it's like who do you get you know if if, 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 if we let him go who do we get in that's, that, mm. that's going to be you know that that clinical when he's given a chance. You, you know, I, I just I just don't know what what we gain. You know, what we gain as a football club from letting him go. You know, if if we, unless we've got somebody 
of, of, of equal, you know, of equal sort of quality to bring in. Which I don't think there's anybody out there that that that, that could that could do a job like Lorente has done for us when he's been called upon. Well, John, we've got a load of questions in Lorente. Let's try and get through as many as we can. And so, John, I want to come round to you. This is a question here from Nakumbu Cacinella. I hope I pronounced that right. At freaking you, who says, "What do you make of Lorente's stay at Tottenham? Did he get the game time he might have deserved?" He's almost talking in the past and saying, "As if we sold him." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I think uh, to be honest, I think it was very much always going to be a short-term fix. The fact that he came in on a two-year contract at at 33 or 32, whatever he was at the time, it's not. It's really not a typical Tottenham or Pochettino kind of signing. So I think the, it was obvious from the beginning that it was going to be a bit of a stopgap to see if, if uh, maybe even to see if Vincent Janssen sort of responds to that extra added competition, which obviously we've seen. You know, it didn't go the way that that, that we wanted it to in terms of an 18 million pound investment in Janssen, but. I think Lorente's done, you know, as Jay said, the stats don't lie. It, 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 you know, you can look at it and say, well, you know, the class of opposition he played against. But I happen to agree in that he's made a difference coming on in, you know, like in, in the Premier League and in the Champions League because, that, you know, it, it, people forget. I think it's a not, not disrespectful as such because I think it's just purely because, we, in my opinion, we've got the best striker in the world. But mm. Fernando Lorente's played for some massive clubs. He's yes, won the yeah. World Cup. You know what I mean? He's he's a really he's a good player, and I think he's one of them players. He, a little bit like Edgar Davids, he come to us too late in his career. That's all it is. If we'd have had him four years before, then there would have been real competition um, for that number nine um, place on the on the on the starting sheet. But as it is, he's he's older, and obviously, I would say that Kane has probably got better in the last two, eighteen months, and it may be something to do with Lorente. If you consider, you know, maybe the same kind of job that. Hugo Lloris is doing with Paolo Gazzaniga. And we thought, well, it, he, that's just padding the squad out. He's not going to play. And, and we were wrong. But I think Lorente was the perfect signing at the time. I think he's been good for us when given the opportunity. And it, the good thing about it is he's not kicked off about it, has he? He's not gone public about anything. He's not kicked off. And as Jay said, each time he's come on, he's made a difference. And he, and he obviously is still an half-decent player. So... Mm. I personally wouldn't let him go in January. You keep him till the end of his contract in the summer, and then you look for something a little bit more long-term, a younger player, you know, to give perhaps genuine competition for Kane from from next season onwards. So, John, you kind of agree with another question here. This is from Dave at David John King Six, who says, "Would it be a mistake to sell Lorente in January, even if a replacement is lined up? Would it take them both time to settle, and no guarantee that it would be a success?" Which we assume is Lorente's goal so far, John. Well, yeah, that's the trouble. I mean, if you, if you if you make a decision to let a player like that go in January, same as Dembele, mm. and if you, if you don't bring in a replacement, there's every chance that between now and the end of May, we're going to need him. It's too much of a risk. If you can't replace him in the January window, then you've pretty much got, all right, how much money would we get for Lorente if we sold him in January compared to letting him go on a free? You may be talking about one or two million, maybe, right. which is yeah. a drop in the ocean, really. So... For me, he definitely stays to the, to the end of the season, and I think that's what will happen personally because, you know, it's too much of a risk. We're going. I know, I know. You know, coming back to the question earlier, are we up for the quadruple? Listen, at the moment, <laughs> we're in. We're in all four. We're in. We four are, and we're in January as well, John. It doesn't happen that often. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So if you think about it logically, we're in four competitions, and we're going to need probably everyone, every single player. At the club, who's got a shirt number lower than what we're saying, Jay, 52? Because Skip's 52. <laughs> you know, they're all going to have a part to play, and Lorente definitely, definitely falls into that category for me. Yeah, we've got a load of questions in Lorente. I think we've got to say also with him, Fernando, we haven't always played to his own strengths, which is a bit of a shame. When he has come on, we haven't always delivered the ball high into the box room. It's almost been low to his feet, where you think, well, the guy's over six foot, get the ball in the air, let him head it. We haven't always but, played to his strengths, Jay. Well, in fairness, he got his hat trick from three balls into his feet. There is that as well. Yeah, listen. That's, so, yeah, but, true. but yeah, I mean, I, I think you do want players getting wide and, mm. and, and giving him genuine services. I don't think he's a type that's going to score. I mean, like Kane's goal against Wolves is a prime example, is it? Kane can create goals for himself, and and I think you know you've got to use him. I think you know we have been a little bit. If you get Son and Lucas Moore. And a normal Lucas Moore, a player well or something, buzzing around him so that he can play almost as a target man, which includes putting the ball into his feet for flicking off as well as well as his head. But I think, you know, it's just the... I don't know. I mean, if Lorente goes, 
he goes, as, I mean, as John says, providing you had a, a, a genuine replacement, I wouldn't let him go just for the sake of it. I think more they're, they're interested in allowing him to go is to free up 100 grand a week of wages, which, you know, it, it does seem to be this, well, we're not going to bring in until we release one. So mm. if you're going to release one, maybe you can bring one in. But I just, you know, it, it's that feeling that when he has played this year, you can only score against the teams you're picked against. So, you know, if he's come in against West Ham and scored and he's come in, to, uh, you know, Friday and scored and he, he came in against Swansea in the New Year's game last year and scored, if you're going to immediately leave players out, which which when you've got Kane, I can understand that. But it it's that, that principle that what, what does a young striker think? You know, he thinks, well, even if I score, I'll probably be left out. When I've scored a hat-trick, I'm still going to get taken off after 70 minutes. I mean, you know, there was no reason not to allow him the 90 minutes on the pitch the other night. So it's, it's and, you know, when we're 3-0 up and you're not coming on and you think, well, I actually, I've scored the last few times I've come on, but I'm still not going to come on till the 88th minute. It, it's, it's how, what does that look like for anyone that you can attract? It's, or even, a, you know, you feel like it'll have to be a Keziah Sterling or someone because I just can't see somebody who really wants to come in. You don't mind playing second fiddle to Kane, but you do still want some game time. And if you're not going to get it, it's it's very difficult. Just the last one, Lorenzo. I've had a lot of questions in, so I just want to thank the likes of The Future is Bright, Reggie Moore, Rob Griffin, Getting Worse. The question is from Stacey at Stacey1882. Jay, I just want to get this, your thoughts on it very quickly. He says, great pod, Jensen. Happy New Year to you all. Happy New Year to you, Stacey. He says, my question, and have a debate on it if you can, is if Fernando Lorente could work alongside Harry, Deli and Ericsson, I think it could work. Lots don't see it, but I can see him laying the ball into the likes of Ericsson and Kane. Jace, quick thoughts on that before we move on. Well, it has worked a couple of times this year, but we, we, we tend to leave it until the 85th, 86th minute to try it. It worked with PSV, didn't it? It did. So, yep. you know, it, it can work. It can work, but you've got, to, you've got to put him on the pitch for it to work. Ian, let me come round to you and discuss with you, Oliver Skip. While the 18-year-old seemed to lose the ball a couple of times, the good thing about him, Ian, is that he kept on asking for it and he seemed to grow in confidence as the game you know, continued. He played some nice forward passes between the lines and eventually threaded a beautiful one through to Lorente, which set up the Spaniards' second goal of the game. Yeah, I was, um, was, was quite impressed. It was very difficult at the start, as, as we've said earlier, about the state of the pitch and I think that doesn't help if, you, if you're used to playing on on what is in effect billiard tables and then you're playing on a bit of a bumpy pitch you know it's it's difficult sometimes to get your you know to get your control right and, and you know there's a few times where it bounced off him but you know like there was one occasion where I think he'd lost the ball and then you know went chasing it and won it back you know so he's a tenacious he's a tenacious young lad and um you know, and I, and I love love his passing range, and like you said, that 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 ball through for Lorente's second was 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 was, was Ivan Eadle sort of stuff. So, yeah, he, he is coming good, and it and it's good that um, you know to to see him, you know, to develop and being given the game time. You know, so um, you know it, it was a pleasure to watch. Mm. And John, coming around to you, it was two assists overall for the eighteen-year-old, as with Son's goal. And another pass through to Ali moments later. The young midfielder picked out Lorente, as we said, with a perfectly weighted through ball as he got his second goal of the game. John, we've got a question here about Oliver Skip. This is from Matthew Moroni at Matthew Moroni 6, who says, I thought Skip struggled to cope with the roughhouse tactics of Tranmere in the first 20 minutes, but once he got to grips with the game, he bossed it in the midfield. He reminds me a lot of Scott Parker. Do you agree with that one, John? Absolutely, 100%. I was, I was going to say, when it come round to Skip, I think, Especially, you know, for the first part of the game, he did struggle because he took a few whacks and he was, you know, probably harried and hassled off the ball probably quicker than he expected considering the level of the opposition. And he did he did struggle a little bit. But the thing I love about him the most is he, he didn't hide at all. We kept showing for the ball. He kept, all right, as much as he weren't always that adventurous with his passing, especially in the first half, he, you know, he tried not to lose it. And he, was, he did provide a good shield for that defence. And I think, you know, the, the perfect person to compare him to probably is Scott Parker because you know he does the same kind of job he's, he's a selfless player he run himself into the ground and he's there you know where the boots are flying that's where you'll find him and it, I was I was really impressed with him he grew into the game he became more of an you know an attacking he showed more attacking intent obviously as we as we scored more and more and more and he had probably less defensive responsibility which ended up with that 
that ball to Lorente for for an eighteen year old. a great ball, wasn't it? The effective midfielder. It mm. was that was class. It was class, and it was. You're watching it at the time, and you're like, "Cool, was that Delhi?" And you'll see it again, and you hit, <laughs> and you think, "Wow, he's a player. He's a player. I reckon he's got a massive future for us." And I, as as um as I said, and as the question said, there, Scott Parker, perfect perfect example of mm-hmm. uh, the kind of player that he is, and I, I can see him being a big part of the future of the club. Hopefully, I wonder how much he actually picked up from Scott Parker, because obviously Scott Parker would have have had him in the academy side last year, wouldn't he? So it would be yeah, interesting to see how much one on one, one on one time he genuinely had with him. And the one thing he, I thought, the, the one thing that he he didn't have that Scott had was, of course, the three hundred and sixty degree pirouette. <laughs> so uh, we, we still got to see him introduce that to his game. But other than that, yeah, very good. Jay, sticking with you, we've got a qu- another question on uh, Oliver Skip. This is from the Mac Boy at M Pot who loves his emojis. God, you got to try and find the question amongst the emojis. Thank you for the question, Mac Boy. He says. Oliver Skip is the real deal. Will he be the catalyst for the future at Spurs, Jace? Well, I certainly think he'll have an opportunity over the next two or three years to to forge himself. It'll be interesting to see how the battle goes, let's say, years down the line with, with him and Harry Winks or something like that. And, of course, you know, you may well have Luke Amos back by then, who was probably in front of him at the start of the season. So... All we can say is we've liked what we've seen so far, but it's what it's it's three games so far. So, you know, we've already got people writing off Harry Winks after what twenty five starts as oh he's he's not good enough and he's not at the level. And it it will only take Oliver Skip to have the inevitable thing that happens with eighteen year olds: a couple of bad games, and everyone will be saying oh he's he's not the real deal. Just let the kid play, let him make his mistakes, let him have his good games, let him have his ups and downs, and, and let's give the boy fifty sixty games and then then see where we are with him. And Jay, like you said, just to put it into perspective, he's already registered more assists in 2019 than Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Salah, Mbappe, and Eden Hazard combined. That's yeah, not bad, yeah, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but it, was, it was a nice little performance. As I say, I think the, the, the pleasing thing is, as John picked out, he constantly wants the ball, he shows for it, he doesn't have his back to play, he's, he, he seems to be looking forward all the time. So, absolutely, everything we've seen so far, we like, but there's a hell of a long way to go. Yeah, and one guy I'll quickly mention is Carl Walker-Peters. The 20-year-old's passing was fairly sharp during the game. He made sure he also got back and helped out defensively. I think he would have preferred to be playing on the right side, but the competition for that spot now has only got really fiercer with Ori's return from injury and his performance against Tranmere. But let's talk about Sonny because we're going to be losing him soon. And again, another great performance from Sonny. And Ian, I think it's only right to start with you on the Sonny chat. I mean, he missed an early breakaway, but freed Lucas Moura in front of goal soon after and then had a devastating spell in the second half. Set up goals for Lorente and Oria before running from inside his own half to make it 4-0. Ian, are you confident we're going to be able to cope without him once we do lose him to South Korea for a sustained period? Um, in a word, no. <laughs> um, it's just, but, you know, we're going to have to, aren't we? Because, yep. you, know, it, you know, it's just a bit, you know, there's no, no, no use sort of crying over it. You know, somebody's now got to come in and step up and, 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 and deliver us you know, something similar or, or, or better than what Sonny's been delivering because, you know, you know, I think I think Sonny's still about for the for the for the um, Manchester United home game and then he dis- and then he flies off after that. So That's right, yep. we, we, we got some we got some big games coming up when, when he's away. So, you know, it, it, you just hope that there's somebody there, you know, a bit like the Mora's gonna rediscover his, his, his early season form and, and, and um you know, and, and do the business for us. But um, you know, going back to Sonny, I, there was the, I think it was for the the Aurea goal. You know, what a what a take and turn. You know, for for, for you know to, to take that ball out of the air. You know, turn on a sixpence and then lay it off to Aurea. That that was for me. That was probably one of the highlights of the game. It was um, it, it, it was a piece of pure skill and, and, and class from 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 Sonny there. And I said the, the goal. Well, he just, I, he, he picked it up, and he, and I'm thinking he's going to have to pass this. He's going to have to pass this. <laughs> and then the only time he did pass it was when he passed it into the net, you know, which was literally right in front of us. Mm. And you know, as I said, it was a beautiful one of those ones where you know, like when old Greavesy used to say, you know, there's no car, there's no point blasting it. I always used <laughs> to try and it. pass it. Yeah, just place it, and, and that's what he did, and it, and it just rolled into a. Into an empty net. Yeah, he was quality, and I think it was it was it was quite telling that um, when he was substituted, you know, 
he got a, he got his usual ovation from us. But even even the Tranmere the, the fans, you know, appreciated what they'd seen, and that was a a top top player on 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 song. You know, in 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 the game for him. So um, yeah, we we will miss him. I think it's fair to say that Lucas Moura's best form was when Sonny was you know at the away previously at that the uh, Asian Games or whatever. When Lucas Moura was was thinking, right, I'm going to start the next five or six games, and and we saw Lucas Moura at his best then. And of course, the other thing that you might get, we we saw, didn't we, at Tramere with the return of the back three. So you know, with Yan coming back to to fitness, I think Yan's possibly available for Chelsea or something. Who's to say we won't have Jan Sanchez and Toby and, and play three, you know, three like that. So you only need the two behind Kane. So there yeah, are yeah. still plenty of options round to, to get round it. True. John, let me come round to you because I think at the moment you can see Sonny's planning such full high confidence. Are you confident, John, when Sonny does depart for South Korea that the likes of Lamella, Mora can step in? And like Jay said, you know, Mora did have his best spell when Sonny was away from Spurs. Are you confident that these players can come in again and do the job? Well, Jay sort of stole my thunder a little bit there because I was <laughs> going to point out that he, he scored against Fulham. He scored two at Old Trafford when Son weren't available. And he did he did step up during that time. I think maybe Lucas, as we saw yesterday, I think he didn't have his... Sorry, Friday. He didn't have his best game. And I think he's one of them players where he's, his head seemed to go down a little bit as each goal went in and it weren't him who scored here. <laughs> but he got less and less confident as the game went on, maybe, but... No, he's a good enough player, to, and it, and you'd imagine he'll get the time on the pitch to prove that he's a, an able deputy for Son as well. So, listen, uh, it's it's fucking annoying. That's what it is. It's like that time when Freddie Canute decided he was Malian and not French, and decided to go to the African <laughs> nation. He scored sixteen goals up to that point in the season. He come back, and I think he got three more after that tournament. He weren't yeah. the same. Player. I just hope that that doesn't happen with Son. Obviously, it took him a while. I'd say since he come back from the Asian Games to, to really recapture his best sparkling form. I just hope that he comes back this time and it's the ground running and that Lucas has had a, a good period of goal scoring and assisting while Son's away because that's, that's what we're desperately going to need. He's just picked up the uh, Asian Football of the Year again, hasn't he? Yes, he has. Is that the fourth year in a row? Fourth, so, yeah. I mean, can you imagine having the European Championships without having the current you know, European Football of the Year. It's just the timing of these tournaments, which is frustrating, obviously, for, for the European leagues. I understand it. They, they Obviously, they want their best players to be playing there. And as you said, he's, he's the best Asian player. You know, I would imagine by quite some distance as well. So, I understand it. It's just a pain in the ass for Tottenham. Mm. What we did see also with Sonny is that he only really regained his form at Spurs once he had that break during the international period where everyone away to their country, Sonny didn't, and having that kind of couple of weeks break when he did return from Spurs kind of sparked him into life. And I think my biggest concern, Jace, is that, you know, when we do get him back, is he again going to need then a sustained period from when he gets back to Spurs to have another break before we get him back into the rhythm that we've seen him at the moment? We don't know that. What, all we do know with Sonny is that he, he can be quite streaky. So, so you you kind of hope that he scores against Man United and then he has a, a bad streak of form for three or four weeks while he's away with Korea and then he he comes back and that suddenly that the next good streak arrives. But you know I, I think that's that's more the effects we'll have is is how he comes back rather than missing him while he's gone. Mm. Just another question here we're going to have and I want to pass it over to you, Jay. This is from. Uh, Daryl Bradford, good question. He says Kane and Sonny's partnership has gone so well, but I've always felt Kane and Mora was a bit off this season. Now we're going to have to revert back to that when Sonny is away. What do you think is necessary to make it work as Kane and Son have been in recent games together? Well, as, as we just said, we, we may not have to go back to it. We may well play with the three at the back, the two wing backs, and Winks and Sissoko in midfield, and Deli and Eriksson behind Kane. So, you know, there are there are options there. We, we've just, you know, we have one of the other questioners. Could Lorente play alongside Kane? So, mm. you know, th there's still options to play. I, I suppose with Chelsea and Man United, you're less likely to to try something out than if it was, I don't know, Brighton at home or something like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see three at the back in, in certainly one of these next two games. OK. Well, listen, we saw two lovely moments during the game as George Marsh came on for his Spurs debut and replaced Sonny. He was applauded off the pitch, as Ian rightly said. And there was another debut for Spurs. TJ Ioma came on to replace Davinton Sanchez. After the game, Tranmere Rovers manager Mickey Mellon said, Spurs were fantastic. You have to say that. 
We'll be disappointed with a lot of the goals we conceded, but when you make mistakes like we did, you do get punished. They have some outrageously good players. Sometimes you have to put your hands up and say they are brilliant. Now, Ian, I know there's something you wanted to bring into the chat just in terms of the protest that took place after the game. Ian, what did you want to bring to the table to discuss? <clears throat> well, it was interesting. You know, we, you know, the, 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 the protest was about the scheduling of the game, you know, and, you know, sort of like 7.45 kickoff on, you know, on, on a Friday evening, third, third working day back after Christmas. And, and the fact that there were, you know, no trains back after the game. And, you know, and there was, a, I think there were three banners that were put up. And whilst I was there, you know, at the end of the game, there was a bit of a kerfuffle at, at, at the, you know, behind me. And it would appear that, that, that the stewards, in conjunction with the police, had taken down the one that said, you know, BT Sport, FA Cup Killers. Now... You know, you look at some of the other banners about, you know, 207 miles home, you know, no trains. And then the other one I thought was quite good on the 11th day of Christmas, the FA gave to me um, a trip to Tranmere for pay TV. And, and I, I thought that, I thought there was none of them were, 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 were offensive. You know, if, if, if Tranmere would have won the game, they'd have been called giant killers. You know, and, and you just think to yourself, if, as, as, as suggested... You know, it, it was the, the, the stewards and the police were told to take the banner down on, on, the, on the direct orders of, the, of, of BT Sport. Then I would love to know, you know, what law had been broken in, 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 on the statute books to cause that banner to be taken down. I just thought that, that, that A, I agree with it with, totally with, 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 the, um, with the protest, you know, at the end of the day. You know, I didn't get home until I passed two, and the, mo and the, and the guy that rang me didn't get home until four. And, 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 and mm. we are not unique in that. And, and you know, my, my, my concern is is that, okay, you know, yes, you know, BT Sport can sit there. They can pipe in an atmosphere, you know, put a, put a track on. But at the end of the day, you know, we, you know we, please don't take our loyalty for granted. And that's what I feel, you know, Sky, BT Sport, are doing you know what has happened to the days when when you know the, the third round of the FA Cup you know we, we were sat there and we were waiting for all of the the, the results to come in on, on on the teleprinter or you know or, or, or you know on CFAX because I'm that old you know and it's just it's just it's just getting to the stage where this 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 FA Cup third round has been over four was it over four days yeah and you, you're not telling me that that that's not that's not greed an avarice of, 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 of the basis nature. Chaps, yeah. anyone got any thoughts on this? I mean, Ian makes some great points there. Um, obviously, we've got a massive Chelsea preview we've got coming up. We want to try and extend that preview to give you as much on that as possible. I mean, anyone got any thoughts? John, what's your thoughts on Ian's comments there? I think that, right, what I'm about to say, I just want to say I'm not going against anything that Ian said. I'm with him a thousand percent. I couldn't be any more in support of what he's just said. I think the only the only problem we've got is the flip side to what Ian's saying is we all know that the clubs could let us all in for free each season and still make a profit, mm. which is largely due down to the revenue received from the TV companies. Now, fortunately for us, as we've seen, you know, we, we, we're a big club, we're doing well, we're, we're getting picked for TV a lot. You know, Ian was one of the, the, the absolute soldiers that was in Cardiff only three or four days before he was yep. he was Tanya. Now, the trouble we've got is if we want these world-class footballers and we want, you know, there's clamour for the club to break wage structures and stuff to keep players like Kane and Delhi, then unfortunately, you know, we're the, the, this, the TV companies that call all the shots because they're the ones that are pretty much paying for the majority of the wages for these players due to the, the huge amounts of money that they pump into these clubs. Now, the higher up you get up the football food chain, probably the worse it is for the fans in terms of, dodgy kick-off times and having to get back from places where there's no trains and stuff because ultimately these are the games that the TV companies want to put on the TV. Now, I just I think that the biggest problem is that there's there's no end to this in sight. It's, it's a problem that's just going to continue and probably get worse because unfortunately they are TV companies are the kingmakers now. We have to pretty much do as we're told and as much as you get, you know, there's pressure from the... From, um, the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust and the other reps from other clubs 
it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pointless exercise, I would say, trying to you know seek dialogue with, with Sky and BT and companies like that because they're just going to continue to do what they want to do. And the, the trouble is, Ian knows this as well. If if you you know say say there was a fan boycott and everyone who decided, everyone who had a ticket for Friday said, right, I'm not going. Then the supply and demand dictates that that away end would still be full because everyone who wished to say everyone wanted to sell their ticket on, pretty much everyone would be able to because there is such demand for tickets to go and see Tottenham play. Unfortunately, that the boycott thing's not going to work because, like I say, there, it was, there's so many people in, in reserve who want to go to these, especially away games. You know, if you're the, the I can't remember the last away game that went on sale to members, and there's however many tens or hundreds of thousands of members who are willing to snap these tickets up if season ticket holders don't gobble them up, which which they obviously do for every game. That you don't get away tickets going on to members because the season ticket holders and the most, um, you know, the fans that go home away week in, week out, as much as we have a moan about the kickoff times and that, the, the TV companies and the clubs know that the fans will still turn up. And I, I, I admire every fan that does this, you know, trotting all over the country at all different times mm. of day, night and it is is a massive piss take. It is, but unfortunately, the power in this situation is with is all with the TV companies. And like I say, I can't see it stopping. I can't even see it slowing down at all. You know, there's going to be times where, if you think we're clubs that are on the outreach of certain geographical areas, Newcastle probably get it, probably get it a lot. You know, Bournemouth maybe probably get it a lot. Pretty much every away game for those clubs is a bit of a logistical nightmare. And unfortunately, like I say, if we want these world-class players to be playing in our colours and getting these big wages that we all, you know, we all understand that they want to come to us and to stay with us, then unfortunately it is what it is and it's going to continue to happen. And we can't really... Uh, all I'm saying is I don't think we can moan too much about the kickoff time and then moan if Harry Kane gets sold because we can't afford to keep him. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. And I, I agree with everything Ian said. I'm just trying to provide the sort of flip side to the argument. That's That's all. I'm with Ian, 100%. Okay. Um, I'll move it on chapter to Chelsea just because we're limited for time. But, Jace, feel free to, if you want to bring your response in on the question, feel free to bring it in in the Chelsea preview. But Deli Alias says, ahead of the Chelsea game, this Carabao Cup first leg semi-final tie, that the time has come for Spurs to stop talking about trophies and start actually winning them. He said, we want to win trophies. That is our aim, and we've been playing well. We've been getting quite far in recent years without quite having the finished product. But it's about this time for us as players to start winning things. Jace, thoughts ahead of this one, and by all means, if you want to bring in the response about um, the protest against Tramir, feel free to do so. Well, I think, as, as John said, I can I can see both sides of the protest. The uh, the only thing I would say is anyone that, that says uses that phrase, pay whatever you want to, to a player, has to accept it. And then there's also the, the small minority, and we know that we have them, of, of our own fans that, that share that greed by selling match tickets for 70, 80 quid when they've paid 30, 40 quid for them. So, you know, if you're one of those fans that, that's complaining about the greed of the TV companies, the, the easiest way to do it is don't pay for your BT subscription, don't pay for your Sky subscription. If you don't like the way they cover football, pull the, pull the plug on them. And you don't like how they, they cover Tottenham, you don't like them moaning about Tottenham and writing us off, just, just quit your subscriptions and you'll find life a lot easier that way. But um, with, with Delhi, he says it's time to stop talking about trophies and then, then goes and talks about trophies. <laughs> but you've got to, he's, you get yeah, the point he's trying to make. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's right. We, we all know, even if some of us will disagree on the, the priorities we should have and things, we all know that we want that. We want that trophy. It is time this side won one. I'm, I'm very confident over, which is unusual for me when we're playing that lot, but I'm actually very confident we we will go and win this one. So hopefully that will stop uh, a lot of the mockery that comes our way. But uh, I just want to win it now, that's that's for sure. Mm. Humming Son and Harry Kane in cracking form. Son has contributed to 12 goals in his last six appearances for the club in all competitions for Spurs. Harry Kane finds himself now as the fourth joint top scorer in Spurs history with Cliff Jones on 159 goals for the club. John, let me come around to you because we've got a question in here from Dave Ellis again at fullback 3 who says, I know Chelsea raised their game against us, but we are head and shoulders above them at the moment. Surely over two legs, we put in two decent performances, we'll get through. As easy as that, John? <laughs> easy as that, Dave. Easy as that. <laughs> I think 
listen, that's what we all want. Obviously, I think we're we're we are capable. This is the, this is the thing where, you know, you have to consider that we we are one of those clubs now. If you if you think we, you know we're above them in the league, and we are one of those clubs now that everyone wants to avoid. I don't suppose. Well, obviously Chelsea wanted Burton Albion in the semis, the same as we did, I would imagine. But it is what it is, and I think we're mate, we're definitely good enough to to get a result over two legs. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't win both. I think if you if you remember, you know, the last two times we played them away last season and then at home this season, obviously we won three one both times. So we're hoping for uh, that run to extend to to four games, and then we're in the final. We are indeed. I just. I want to come around to you, in because I think this certain situation, like the FA Cup semi-final last year, if you remember we beat Man United at Wembley, I think all of us had that firm belief that you know we would go and win that semi-final. Do we have to just sometimes maybe just you know take a step back and, again, treat this as, again, another individual game against Chelsea because we played so well against them with Sonny's wonder goal in that win at Wembley, which you know was the first defeat of Maurizio Sarri's Chelsea at the time. Are you confident going into this, or do you go into the game, you know, just approaching with optimism, but you know, perspective as well? It's going to be a tough game over two legs here. I think it's with with perspective because I think that in in the lead up to the the, the FA Cup semi final against Manchester United, I think that there were there there, there were pockets of Spurs fans mm. who who just thought all we had to do was to turn up. Yeah, and and, and you know, in, in the end, you know, we we got. You know, I think Delhi scored a great goal, and then after that, you know, we just we just we just took our foot off the gas. You know, a bit like the the, the Wolves game that, um, that that we had just before Christmas, and I, and I, oh sorry, just after Christmas. And I just think that that this is a one-off game. This is a you know sorry, this is this is a one-off tie. If you get my drift, yeah. you know, it's no good, no good going into this in 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 the same mental framework, the, the, the same mental ability of, 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 of where we were, you know, in, in, in the Wolves game. We've got to go there and we've got to smash them. You know, we've, you know, we've, got, to go, we've got to go there and, and bring our A game to it because, you know, what we don't want is, 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 is to sort of like make, make it difficult for us in the second leg. In the second leg, we just want to go there and, and just, and just play like we played against Cardiff, you know, just second gear, keeping the ball, moving it around because we've done the hard work that we've, that we've had to do at Wembley. You know, I, I think if we go in there and think that, oh, we, 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 we beat them handsomely in the league, then we're going to get found out because, you know, Chelsea are no mugs when it comes to knockout football. So, you know, I, I think that we're going to have to be up for it from, from minute one and we're going to have to have that same intensity, uh, you know, against them that we had in the league and we've got to bring that into the cup game. Mm. Now we saw Chelsea on the ahead of their FA Cup game at the weekend which they won. They put Eason Hazard on the bench but he did come on in the second half. Um, we've been warned that Pedro and Giroud will be back to face Spurs for the cup semi-final first leg. Jace, coming around to you team-wise, what are you expecting from Spurs and Chelsea going into this first leg? I think it will be Gazaniga plus the 10 that started at Cardiff. That's That's my gut feeling for the team. Okay, Gazaniga, uh, not Lloris, Jace. Interesting. Are you saying we can all keep faith with Gazaniga, the cup keeper? Yeah, I think he will do it at the semi-final stage, and maybe if we're in the final, we'll switch them. But I think he will do it with Gazaniga. I mean, he kept faith in him at Arsenal, didn't he? So there's there's no reason for him not to. And uh, we have this stat that we've won every single game with him. So mm. I'd be surprised if he drops it. For me, it'll be interesting to see the the Jorginho effects because you know we definitely stunted Chelsea and. And with with the use of Deli Ali, you know, dropping to to constantly block out Jorginho's influence, Chelsea will be expecting us to do that, and and it will be interesting to see how they if if they change their plan or that they still go with it, and and it will be interesting to see if Pochettino tries to you know kind of second guesses it and thinks well we know that's that's what Chelsea will expect from us, so perhaps we will go with three at the back or something. I think tactically it will be a, a very interesting game, but what we have to remember. <laughs> is Chelsea are brilliant over two-legged football and we have to understand this is a two-legged tie. So if it's 1-1 with five minutes left at Wembley, you don't have to go gung-ho to try and force the winner. What you what you don't want to do is get caught on the break and end up going there with a deficit. So I think, you know, Chelsea are brilliant at two legs. We have to understand that rather than looking at it as as two individual cup ties and we're trying to win them both, if, if you see what I mean. Let's, let's just think, right, it's, it's two legs of football, Let's make sure that we go to Stamford Bridge with a 
with a score that means we can definitely go ahead to the final. Okay. I mean, I mean like I said, I love sport. I don't. I mean, if that means we have to go to Stamford Bridge a goal behind, I'm actually not frightened about going to Stamford Bridge a goal behind. I don't want to. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I, I hope we win the game three 0 But there's no need to go into complete panic situations if the score ended up two one deficit to Chelsea. We're still more than capable of going to Stamford Bridge and turning that around. John, I want to come round to you. I want to get your thoughts on the team and also Pochettino's comments where he said earlier last week that he would have been sacked by now, John if all you had done at Spurs was to win a domestic cup ahead of playing Chelsea in a two-legged semi-final. Do you believe that, John? I mean, he does come out with these you know, bold, ambitious statements that you know, he wants to win the Premier League or the Champions League. I think for us, I think I'd love to see him win this cup this year. You know, To beat Arsenal, Chelsea, West Ham along the way, I think that'd be great, wouldn't it? Well, it would. And I think, to be fair, I think he's probably right. If, if say, he'd won a League Cup but didn't qualify us for Europe at all mm. over the last... Or, or, or um, if we, if it had been Europa League football for the last three years, not Champions League football, then yeah, he, he may well be right. And that's that is the the fundamental difference between football today and football in the past that is difficult for us not to grasp. We all understand it, but it's difficult for us to accept because then yeah, it wouldn't be 2008 our last our last cup success. It would be I don't know last year or the year before, or whatever it might be. But then. The club wouldn't have made all the money they made ultimately, and we wouldn't have had the nights that we've enjoyed against Dortmund and Real Madrid and Barcelona and and, and teams like that. And and you think, you know, the, the what what marks him out as a brilliant manager for me is the fact that we we're still told we're overachieving, but we not generally you overachieve once, the lightning don't strike twice. But we've been doing it for four four and a half years. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's what that's what makes him one of the best in my opinion. And I've I think yeah, I think he's right. To be fair, and let's hope that this is the year where we manage to combine the two of winning something and qualifying for the Champions League because that would just it'd be pretty much a perfect season for us. I think no matter which cup it is, whether it be the League Cup, FA Cup, or dare we dream the Champions League or the Premier League, I think you know that would can still be all four, John. <laughs> as we said, a... can still be all four. <laughs> well, absolutely. He'd probably get an eight-year Alan Pardew-style contract, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> So, mate, listen, it, it is what it is, modern day football. It's all about Champions League football and stuff. But let's hope that, you know, we, we, we need it now, don't we? We want that day oh, out in the sun at Wembley and to see our captain lift the cup. That would be, uh, it would just be perfect. You know, I've got my youngest son, six. So, he won alive last time we won something. It'd no, be nice. Yeah. And my eldest one was only four. So, it'd be nice for, it'd be nice for us to, for me to have a day out with the boys as, from a selfish point of view and for them to experience what it's like, like you know. That's what it's all about, ultimately. Yeah. Ian, let's get your thoughts on the team. What are you expecting going into Tuesday's Carabao Cup first leg? <clears throat> well, I think he'll go strong. You know, I, I agree with, with Jason. I think Gazanigo will start in, in goal. I think that I think that we're, we're probably... It all depends on the fitness of of of, of, um, of Jan. But I can see if, if, if Jan was fit, you know, I think we might be seeing the return to the back three. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it's perm. I think Danny Rose will probably start. And I think it will be um, Trippier on the other side. Um, I think, you know, I agree with, with what, what the other lads have said about about, about the game. Um, I think that we, we, you know, we have to accept that, you know, if, if we're at, you know, at the end of the 90 minutes is, is literally half time in the tie. So it's just, just you know, do what we've got to do, you know, keep it tight at home and then go and um, enjoy the second leg. So, um, but uh, with, with the team, I think Kane will, Kane will be there. We'll see Son, we'll see Deli and we'll see Christian. So, that, that, that that's my views of what the team will be. Strong, strong team. OK, chap, should we try and get some predictions then? It's only your first leg, so won't try and get too carried away. So, just a reminder, this one is at Wembley. The advantage, maybe you say, that Chelsea is the second leg at the bridge. Chaps, what are we all going for? Shall I start with you, Jace? I might go for 1-1, but Tottenham's go through over the tie, that's for sure. OK, interesting. 1-1 there from Jace, but Spurs to go through overall. John, are you going to be as confident to give us the final end prediction, or do you just want to give us the first leg for the moment? Well, in the first leg, Deli Alley's going to score because he loves playing against Chelsea and scoring against Chelsea. He and does that, indeed. I, we need a clean sheet, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go one nil in the first leg, and then a draw in the second leg. Okay, interesting. Ian, let's get your thoughts. Um, 
oh, I'm going to be controversial. I think it'll be 2-0 Spurs on Tuesday. And then, knowing Spurs, it'll be 2-0 Chelsea in the other in, in the next one. And it'll be fucking extra time, excuse my language. And then it, it, we'll, we'll all be sort of like strung out and we'll have no fingernails left. And and it'll be, you know, it'll be one of those games where, and, and Kane will, will, will score in about the, 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 the 29th minute to take us through. Blimey, Ian, uh, what are you doing to us? Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be different. I'm, you know, you know, on, on the spirit of balance. Different. This is a heart attack waiting to happen, Ian. Ah, uh, I've been there, mate. You wouldn't, you wouldn't look looking at me. You wouldn't think I was 42, would you? <laughs> what a game we got ahead of us! What a game we got ahead in store. Well, listen, I think chats. Are we all the biggest game of the season now so far? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, overall, yes. I think Without it's got to be, doubt. isn't it? I mean, we know we've got a big Champions League last 16 title to come, but, you know, when you're in a semi-final like we are now, I think, just like you said on Love Sport during the week, you know, this is a chance here to get a cup early in the season, which could act as a springboard also for the rest of it. Yeah, I, I, I think we... I feel like we're ready, and let's be fair about it, the three biggest mockers of the bottle that's come from West Ham, Chelsea and Arsenal supporters, and it would be quite nice to have gone to West Ham and won in their backyard, gone to Arsenal and won in their backyard. And, and that's why I kind of think 1-1 and then we'll go to Stamford Bridge and win. So it's it's in their backyard. And what a perfect way to stick two fingers up to the, the bottlers' accusations if you've knocked all three of them out on their own patch. Mm. There you go. I hope you're right, Jess. Well, listen, thank you so much for having back on, Jay. It's been a pleasure as always. Yep, let's uh, let's hope we're all celebrating on Thursday. That's it on Love Sport. That should be a cracking show if we can get this one over the line in terms of a right result. John, thank you for coming back on. You'll be regular now. Hopefully, we're going to try and make it happen in the new year, John. Yeah, lovely, mate. It's nice to nice to be back so soon. Also, if I could just steal a minute, I just want to say um, a massive well done, congratulations to my local side, uh, Gillingham, who knocked Cardiff out of the cup yesterday. Just purely because it, you know, Cardiff have been. Well, Neil Warnock's a twat, isn't he? Let's be honest. And he's pissed us all off recently. So it's just, it's good to see that, you know, they were knocked out of the League Cup by Norwich. They were knocked out of the FA Cup by Gillingham. And if you look at the Premier League table, the only chance Cardiff have got of being Premier at all next season is if they sign Lenny Henry in January. So <laughs> Lenny let's, hope, Henry. Uh, let's hope Cardiff uh, have, have a. <laughs> the second half of the season has been as good as the first for them. And uh, yeah, mate, thanks for having me back. Pleasure, John. Pleasure. And Ian, thanks for coming back on as always. Uh, you're welcome, mate. Anytime. Fantastic. Lovely. Well, listen, the chat will be back very, very soon. Guys, we are back on Thursday on Last Week Reviewing. Hopefully, what is going to be a Spurs win against Chelsea in the first leg of the Carabao Cup. Enjoy the show and up the Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.